Everybody, welcome to Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of suspenders, the show of facial hair. And today's guest is the wonderful, the wonderfully Greek Justin Elliott of the recently opened Townsend. It's a beautiful bar. I'm not sure if you guys have had a chance to go yet, but it is elegant. You sit at the bar and you feel like a king, you feel like a queen. They've got an amazing staff back there. And Justin and I talk about this whole journey. It's been an interesting tumultuous journey for Justin and I consider him a good a good friend I think we've went through some interesting conversations and he's been there for me for some personal distilling and production issues of which someday we'll get to talk about that but without further ado let's take a listen to my wonderful chat with Justin Elliott We couldn't so, get it. We couldn't get a good symbol sound, so we just like sound. so we just didn't re- use symbols. <laughs> you we're just dubbed like, him in after. We, that's a that's a George Martin move, by the way. Dubbed the symbols in yeah, after. No, we just use we just use like hi hats and other like weird trash other, can lids. Yeah, just like early Depeche Mode samples. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what they were doing like going to construction sites. Yeah, it was you like know? you know it was like sad bastard kind of folk rock yeah. record. Anyway, I didn't need all those. It didn't need symbols. Yeah, who needs it's like symbols? tambourine overheads? Fuck you, overheads. Yeah, no, we just we, yeah we did we did one overhead mic. Yeah, uh, to capture the drums in general, mm-hmm. and then uh, then we used like tambourines for That's, the hi hat. Tambourine. Were you guys yeah. wearing different hats tambourine for uh, different tambourine splash? You know, this is the vintage tambourine. I believe Waylon Jennings used. <laughs> I bought this from Daryl Hall. <laughs> It's not Daryl Hall, but I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> yeah. So I didn't, you know, I didn't realize. I I suspected for a long time, but I didn't realize you were a music. You are a musician. I'm a you? I'm a recovering musician. <laughs> As in, you realize that there are other things that pay the bills much better than being a musician. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It was uh. It was great for being a musician. Was great for, for you know my 20s yeah you know it was being it was great for you know getting like girlfriends it wasn't great for getting a wife did, you did know? You actually, all right so did you actually get girlfriends from music because that never worked for me ever <laughs> i remember one time where i played guitar like i was like a hired gun playing guitar mm-hmm. for this band and one girl this is the only girl ever that ever approached me because of live man at red-eyed fly oh, so nice. imagine you know, the caliber of girl that's coming up to me. <laughs> so here's the best part. I'm sure she's and very nice. She, <laughs> the best part is we go, we, you know, we go hang out at my place. I'm so fucking oblivious because I'm just a normal guy. She like her. She was dead set on sleeping with me, but I didn't realize. And she left because I wouldn't sleep. She's like, all right, well, I'm out. And she never would talk to me again. <laughs> that's all she wanted. So that's maybe good. there's some room for success that's... in Austin still. Yeah. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> says, says the 
the, the, the guy is about to get married to the married guy. <laughs> no, not for me. No, I'm, I'm in a great spot. Yeah. Yeah, which so is we, why we could be reformed musicians Yes, now. that's right. That's great. It's a great point. I, you know, it's, you know, man, the road, the road, quote unquote, you know, you imagine that it's just, you think of it as it's the Motley Crue book all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but it's never fucking like that. We're just normal dudes, mm-hmm. right? Having oh, beards. Yeah, I I mean, the road, we couldn't even get on the road. We couldn't even get out of New York City. Yeah. You know, we'd, we'd played a couple of shows outside of town, but we never toured. What is, we couldn't so, even get our shit together. Were you, so are you a guitarist and singer guy? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I played bass for a lot of years. I played mm. guitar for a lot of years. I played banjo, no bunch kidding. of other random. Was there like that template for kind of the sound you were looking for? Because in the back of our heads, we're like, you know, I'm kind of borrowing some stuff from Mars Volta this month. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, uh, well, we, the, the band that Florian and I played together mm-hmm. the most, um, we started it as a country metal band. A we, country metal band. Yeah, we weren't really sure what it meant, but we just <laughs> wanted to see what would happen yeah. if we started a band and the mission statement was we we're going to be a country metal band. And it was like, kind of was that. Did I it mean, work? It was, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it worked. <laughs> Did it work for you? We had a, a hell <laughs> of a time it? for yeah. like three, four years. <laughs> and it evolved more and more into, uh, you know, more sophisticated, understated arrangements. Understated. You know. Depressive? It it, yeah, it definitely like, you know, we were like a, a five-piece wall of noise. Oh, nice. Country band at first. And then... Is there a pedal steel in there? No. No. Uh, no. There was... We did some stuff with some lap steel, but never pedal steel. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and then, you know, it slowly evolved or devolved, however you want to sure. look at it, into just like me and Florian in a you know, burnt out after gigging for five years in New York City. Moving no to, shit, it moving was five to, years? You, so was music four, number... Four, I guess four years in, in the I city. I had no yeah. idea. So that's a, that's in that genre or in that industry. That's a lot of yeah. time. We, so, we did all right. We had a bunch of fans in Germany, but we couldn't get our acts <laughs> together to get over there and see just kept wanting to shit on you guys. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> weird, you know? I don't know why. Was that like a secondary thing? It was, what's that? Was it like a secondary thing or was the, the industry quote unquote what was really the passion because it seems like sometimes we do this thing so we work for a living or we do the music and it's like that's what we really want to do but then we take on this other job Mm because we got to pay the rent it it, all of this stuff always fell just like on a spectrum yeah i just wanted to like i just wanted to make a living and i still do basically i just want to make a living um somehow by having some agency over you know my own like bullshit passing interests you know what i mean (laughs) an agency yeah i I just want you know i just want to like i just want like control over you know my i want my hobby whatever i'm interested in at the Mm. time whether it be music whether it be you know i got a degree in theater had you know every intention of doing that until i got distracted by playing music more until i get distracted which is theatrical in itself anyway you know well, I think I think I started kind of furthest afield there with the the you know the theater stuff because mm. I always loved it because it was so immediate. Yeah. Um. Uh. You know the relationship between and I wasn't a performer. I was a writer director. Oh, a writer director. I, I, I wasn't. Okay. So you never you never got up on stage. I, was, I mean, I did, but that was not that was far not far strength. far from yeah yeah. Um. Why why I was into it. Uh. But that you know that kind of the the semiotics of it all the communication. Yeah. Of you know, 
perspective and sensibility and just information, right. you know, from the performer to the audience in this really immediate primal way was really appealing. Mm-hmm. And then I realized like I could do that even more effectively just playing music, which I had already been doing. Yeah. And then it all kind of falls to the spectrum because then eventually I realized I was supplementing my, you know, comically small earnings playing music. <laughs> comically small. Uh, People like, by like hey, what attending did you bar a couple days yeah. a week. Uh-huh. And I realized like, you know, food and Bev even more are even more primal and immediately yeah. satisfying. So it just, I mean, I feel like it all falls on the same spectrum. No, like, we're just trying right. to create experiences yeah. in a really immediate and satisfying way, like, you know, to the most primal instincts and right. Egotism, the most culture, right? <laughs> of instincts. Well, you know, feeding people. No, people that's drunk. sorry. You know, of you course, know. I'm. You know, sure. I'm being. I'm. Tr- I'm so funny. I'm so fucking <laughs> funny. Just <laughs> trying to be funny. No, but you're, no, you. No, that's a great point to serve, right? Right. To to serve. Is it about making people happy, or is it about giving them a good experience? Is it about like what? What about that that dynamic? Do you? I, appreciate? I've kind of always thought that it's more about giving people the chance to have a really great experience. Um, My favorite bartenders and servers uh, have always been just really genuine people. Yeah, yeah. You know, frequently flawed, frequently like, you know, technic- technically imprecise. Right, right. <laughs> a, a they're, lot they're, of elements like of service. Real but like, you know, they're but they've been like genuine, like at present and engaged. Yeah, yeah. And uh and then and then give it kind of gives you a chance to have a really great experience out of that, you know. I think that's um I think it's an important distinction. That's what I talk to my staff about all the time. Is just being being, being pre- in the being moment, pre- being, being real, present with being your present, guests. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What which is significant and representative of a larger problem which mm-hmm. is that we're always looking at that next i mean man we, we can talk about the wanderlust well, hank was talking about the wanderlust a little bit but that we're always looking for that next thing and somehow mm-hmm. when we're there looking for that next thing we miss the point completely that it's about right now mm-hmm. and this conversation yeah. and pleasing this person you know yeah. and it's interesting do, do you feel like that's in a sense like a, a plague in the industry that people absolutely just, yeah. and i mean it's informed everything i've done like my entire career has been you know battling that you know balancing you know my ambitions and my you know ability to be distracted and my ability you know with you know a genuine you know empathy and genuine love of people uh you know it takes reminding yourself that you know when some some weirdo comes and sits in front of you, right? I, you know, in your well at the bar that during pride they're, pro- they're, they're still they're probably fun. They're probably like sure. a good person. Yeah, absolutely. And like you just gotta just be, you can't just be like God. Here's like another weirdo. Don't be dismissive ever, right? Like just like engage them and like yeah. all of us. You know, I made like so many good friends over the years. That just like at first blush, I was just like, oh, this man, fucking not feeling it. Chucklehead, yeah. like, <laughs> no, you know, yeah. What's well, weird? It's weird when, in in any moment of life, to get philosophical, that you just give it the time, give it the presence, and be there, mm-hmm. and don't have any expectations, because that's kind of the thing. Is like, oh, you see this guy, it's like the way he's dressed, kind of, it's it's he's tattered, man. But everybody's got some warmth, and everybody has some genuine insight 
that you can learn from. And that's one of the things. Like, you can never underestimate people, ever. Yeah. You know, that's, it's yes. crazy. So when did... This is the thing. I, you know, we've known each other for a little while now. And I, I would say that the moment that I found most influential from you is... We talk about mezcal quite a bit on the show, actually. The show. The show. (laughs) I'm going to start saying that. The show. The show. (laughs) But no, so mezcal is a beautiful thing. It's simple, but yet it's complex in itself. And the addition of things to make it complicated is what, in fact, kind of messes up the whole purpose of it, right? And so I remember one specific night I was at Midnight Cowboy and you, I was... I don't know what I had been drinking previously, but it's always a good time when I went in and, and you gave me a mezcal cocktail with a massive piece of ice and you didn't doctor it up. Mm-hmm. You added some highlights of bitters here and there. And I realized at that point that you kind of understood that things, you have to let them be beautiful on their own and not trying to impart your, you, when mm-hmm. you want to be smart and you want other people to know you're smart mm-hmm. and skillful, that's when you overcomplicate it. Yep. But you knew how to stay away from it. Like, is that a general oh. philosophy from you? Is that you you don't want to have a deft hand in a cocktail? You like you you want it to speak for itself. Yeah, that's um, that's definitely something that I think I've grown into being better at. Yeah, I've always when I started, you know, when when we left New York, where we very rarely cooked because you know it was like four to six complete scumbags sharing a right. small apartment. You know, yeah. Uh, and the kitchen was used for uh, cocaine, piles obviously, of trash and cocaine. Just overflowing buckets of cigarette butts. Right. Um, uh, Tom Waits posters on the wall. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> when we moved to Savannah, uh, we, you know, I wanted to like make food. You yeah. know, I, like my, I, I grew that. up with great food. My mom was a good cook, and yeah. I, I didn't really know much about anything but i like I, when i just started kind of cooking like as a hobby in the mm. house um i wanted what I, I just wanted the flavors to, i just wanted to see what the flavor would do yeah you know yeah. and um you, you and, didn't and, want and to I, interfere I, I, right like you're yeah. like let it speak for itself yeah and then you get a little more comfortable with it mm. and then you start pushing on it and start seeing you know what cool combinations or what cool like you know, yeah. processes you can, um, you know, kind of. Uh, like how things interplay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, just seeing what you can do to something. See how right. you can change something. And that then it's fun and it's informative. Uh, and I did the same thing with cocktails. I went through mm. my period of, you know, overwrought. Right. You know. Being like heavy handed thir- 35 word, re- <laughs> right. you know, like descriptions on the, you know, on the menu and. <laughs> So some of those cocktails were probably good and some yeah. of them were probably complete bullshit. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that's just part of growing up and growing into it. You know, so under- I feel the last couple of years I've uh, developed kind of something like a style, I think. A style, yeah. Um, and it changes depending on, you know, the, the walls I'm working within. Right, right. But I think that that's still very... Like, I just want you know, craveable flavors. Sure. I want things that, um, I don't want anything like super heady. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to make the drinks that I would want to drink. You know, right. I, I like, you know, everyone likes a, an unexpected flourish, but I don't think drinks should be challenging. No, it shouldn't. You know, food, food is the, and I, I say this before 
But food and drink are the last art forms you have to really experience in person. Now, you could say this about like actual artwork, whether it's like Roscoe or something, you know, like mm-hmm. Rothko, rather, where you have the big, immersive kind of piece of art. But food and drink, you can't substitute that. Yeah. You have to be there. You have to experience it. Mm-hmm. And why make that experience so challenging? Because food is rooted in love. Yeah. It's like it's it's the currency of life in many places, right? Exactly. So what's the fucking point of making it so complicated? Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean, I, I I love seeing skill in cookery. Sure. You know, I love seeing things, you know, being able to experience something in a in an unexpected way. Mm. But at the end of the day, it has to, it still has to be nourishing, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that uh, Chef Jorge, uh, the chef de cuisine at Key, he's a, a key. really close friend of mine. Mm. That's something he and I talk about, like, a lot. Like, that word, like, nourishing, right? Right. Where... Uh, yeah, it can be far out. Sure, sure, but it has but, a job but it has still. To be, but it has to be craveable too. Yeah. It has to like grab you in a way that. And that's why you know, in, in a lot of ways, I would say that food and drink are fundamentally not art. Right. Uh, art because is, of the art, basic well, need to like fulfill the, something. Yeah, yeah, because art is something that like can and should kind of only be able to be defined by right. the kind of the the sensibilities that it sets out yeah. to define itself. It, it it is something that fundamentally can exist yeah, yeah. in a vacuum. Uh, that's food a good, you, that's a food good point. you eat. Yeah. You know, art, art is something that you uh, experience that has its own rules that define it. And then you, you know, internalize those rules and yeah, then you can yeah. see this piece of art. No, but at the end point. of the day, you, you're going to eat the food yeah. and it's going to keep you alive. Sure. And it's like, got there's, a there's like a physiological reaction Right. To food and drink, that I think is uh, the reason that it it shouldn't be challenging. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Now flavors could be it, like uh, complex. They could take you a little bit outside your comfort zone. I don't right. think that everything should be Big Macs. You know, like you, <laughs> as, more, I, we could do better than that. I think. As you, yeah. I mean, I love Big Macs. Come on, no, dude, they're great. I, as you, as you know, as you age, you develop. You know, an ability to, to appreciate bitterness, right? right it's the last right. flavor that you, that you could wrap your mind around to something. Yeah. Uh, you know, where does your mommy come in there? Is that is that a later one too, or latter? Mommy? Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. Or is it like I think an it's, it might be toward. The, I think it's probably toward the end there. Yeah. I think sweet is the very first, the first one, one, right? Um. Again, going back to your point, sugar is essential for energy and yeah. living and moving and working. So exactly, I mean, and bitterness go, yeah. is like the indicator that something's poison. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, and I, yeah, there's, there's something to it and it's okay to, to challenge a little bit and take someone slightly outside of their comfort zone. But at the end of the day, they should feel nourished when you are feeding them. Right. You know, that's a lot. A lot of that is like how you act as a host in those moments as well. I think it's super important. Like knowing where your guest is and their, you know, life's journey of like what they want to appreciate. That's a brilliant, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant strategy to understand people. And that that goes back to your point about empathy. You can't, if you don't choose to understand somebody, you can't meet them where yeah. they are, where they yeah. are in their journey, right? Into I this. think about it a lot of times. And like, I've not always been perfect. I get up my own. Well, are you kidding ass. me? You haven't always been perfect. You know what I mean? It's hard to believe, I'm sure. I know, it's very hard to believe. Uh, but it's like, that's the thing, right? That's the battle. Like every day you get out there and you try to suck less, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> And yeah. I'm getting, be I'm getting better at less, it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's good, but that that's an interesting perspective because that introduces humility, right? 
Because that implies that you are very conscious of the fact that you suck in some 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 way. Yeah. Right. And you're just saying, "Well, I just want to suck less." Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is, if you think about it, that's like the locks versus hops thing. People are naturally good. People are naturally bad. Right. You're naturally naturally humble. You want to serve and you want to suck less. Yeah. It's a good. I, it's an interesting yeah. way to look at it. So you know, the thing that that I know like less about. So I understand. You know, I met you at Cowboy. I met you obviously at the Towns, which we'll chat about in a minute. But where did you grow up? Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in the some reasonably affluent suburbs north of Houston. Oh yeah, which were the, the woodlands. The, the woodlands, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, the I grew woodlands. up in I grew up in in comfort. Yeah, um, a lot of white I, people there, I hear. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's a fact. It's a fact. That's all right. a fact. Uh, a lot then, of sports bars now too. A lot yeah, of it's, it's to definitely get... different now than it yeah. was. I. It's this is what not the early eighties. Uh, yeah, we moved there in '84, okay. and I left for college in '98. Oh, so yeah, so a good 14 years. Yeah. How was high school in the Woodlands? It was good. We it, is it challenging, or is it just easy to be around everybody that's kind of the same? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it was still a, it was a big enough school, and it was, you know, populated yeah. like I think so many people would be familiar with, you know, right. The jocks and the nerds and the, the stratified, the, art, the, 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 system, the arts man. weirdos and where'd you fall into? Were you doing drama then too? Yeah, I. But I mean, I was able to to uh, navigate most of those various yeah. various groups. In other words, like you got along with a lot of people. Yeah, I loved high school. High school was fun. You dug it. Yeah, were you doing it was music great. then too. Yeah, yeah. We're playing in bands or just for your own. Uh. Mostly just for sh- shits. I scored a couple of plays in the theater department. Like you know? scoring the play? Mm-hmm. Oh no, shit! Yeah, I mean, I not not very good, I'm sure. Well, but you still, know, I didn't score a play in it. high school. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sell yourself short. Yeah, it was what, fun. What What's your perspective about music at that point? Like, what did who who really? Oh, moved I didn't know what you? the hell I was doing. Come on. Yeah, well, I, I know I didn't either. I still don't fucking know what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Do you have any, like, because I always think about high school, and, I, you know, I'll put it out there. Nirvana was a massive influence on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The three-chord power verse, chorus, verse thing. Like, were you a rock rock guy, pop guy? Or? Uh, rock, yeah, definitely more rock. Yeah. But I, I always gravitated toward, like, the, like, kind of fussy, arty kind of stuff. Oh, really? Stuff. Yeah. Like who's who is um, like that sad way? bastardy kind yeah. of? Well, who was that way in the night? Like Neural Milk Hotel was around that time. Yeah, right? I didn't really. I didn't. I, mean, I, I didn't know. I didn't get into them until then, college, though. though. Yeah. Um. I, th- there was. Uh. There were like some like great like, uh, doomy, uh, like British metal bands that uh-huh. I was into. Um, Neurosis. I don't think they're no, British, but uh, I think there was British. Right? No, I was into like uh, My Dying Bride. Oh Jesus! Like, Paradise, like real. Doomy, dark, but like yeah. with like you know strings and keyboards. Yeah, be- and, beautiful, symphonic, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. That's uh, an and then like there was like some cool, there was some cool like I guess it was probably still called college rock at the time. Mm. It might have been indie rock, alter- alternative. I alternative, think that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, out of the Pacific Northwest, there was a label <laughs> called World Domination Records. Okay, and, uh, who's the main la- uh, main main artist on that label? I can't even remember. I don't even know that me. label. That's crazy. But from Pacific Northwest, yeah, like Portland, like Seattle, or yeah, somewhere up there. Um, huh. Uh, yeah, there was like a band called Sky Cries Mary that was no sh- oh sh- oh my I actually remember it was this like band. this like arty fussy 
probably I'm sure everyone smelled like patchouli and <laughs> But it was like hippie, but it was kind of, I'm sure they were fucking dirty hippies. Jammy, yeah. 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 The song's 10 minutes long? Oh, definitely. Oh, dude, it has to be 10 minutes. Well, so you get out of college, or excuse me, you get out of high school. Did you go to college in Houston, or did you go on to Greener Pastures? I went to, to uh, the University of Texas in UT Austin. in Austin. Yeah, yeah oh, I came right. up here. No shit. When, uh, like, 90... 98 to 02. 98 to 02. Did you finish up? Uh, I did. I finished up from New York, though. I took my... I took uh, one independent study... Mm-hmm. Because I, I miscalculated a change in how they were gonna count right. some elective or something. But I fucking hate I that a, man. Yeah, it's fine. I You're not a, a math I, major. What do you have to know that stuff? Yeah, you know what I mean. But yeah. I had a, I had a professor that just let me like finish up like a independent study of playwriting from New York because oh, I had already cool. moved up anyway. When yeah. we, I had like found a place in New York when I found out that I had kind of blown it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you but you finished up, which is good. I did finished up in four years, no less, which is also quite good. Four and a half. Four and a half. Well, just round down. It's just round. Four, it's easier. Five, four, five, seven years. Seven years. But that was drama major. Then you said, uh, yeah, bachelor of arts in theater and dance with an emphasis in writing. Yeah, and uh, there was no minor in my uh, in that school degree. Yeah, but um, I did take uh, twelve credit hours. Of astrophysics, really? Mm-hmm. Are you so. as excited as I am that Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson and Bill Nye are notable icons of our our time now? It's pretty terrific. It's fucking great, right? It's pretty terrific. Like Bill Nye, be, be, you know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if next year he's like the sexiest man alive for people, you know, because yeah. he's so pertinent now. Yeah. But so did I, you? You end up pen- sorry. Good. I and I you know and I understood a, a good handful of the stuff in those classes too. Yeah. But it was all it was all because of I think it. You know, I, I mentioned it because it kind of ties into, you know, certain ideas of hospitality. Right. I had this one professor, um, and I just wanted to take anything he taught, and he just happened to you teach. Liked him. And I, he, I just thought he told the story of this stuff in yeah. a really effective way, and so I just kind of followed him over the four years of college. And you I guys just took still any touch? Cl- no. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like it, it's from. I feel you in a, in a sense, like crossing that line. Mm-hmm. It's like, but I'm hanging out with my teacher. Yeah. <laughs> Remember when you would see your teacher, like at the grocery store in junior high and right. shit? You're like, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> it's a horrible yeah. thing. So did you, did you head to presumably to New York then to do the writing bit that you yeah. wanted to write a play? Yeah. Writing it, writing, writing and directing. Um, what was out there? What was playing at that time in New York? What was the kind of the big, the big stuff? Because this is early 2000, yeah, 2002, yeah. 2003. Yeah, I'm not like sure what we were all doing out? up there. It was just uh, rent had been out, yeah. I guess, for a little while at that mm-hmm. point. Um, There's a lot of kind of fun underground stuff. It was all mm-hmm. garbage, let's be honest. Was it? It, no, was it? Probably. Yeah, I don't know. Fuck I, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I was still real hung up on... Uh, Sam Shepard, you oh, know, yeah. want to, and I kind of wanted to live that, you know, rock and roll playwright lifestyle yeah. that, like, I'm sure he entirely fabricated. But <laughs> <laughs> and he, I mean, it's very romantic. Yeah, that whole self-deprecating, yeah. struggling artist, Michael Keaton and Birdman kind of thing, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, where you just you're trying to make it work, and it's gritty, and you're drinking at the smokiest bars, and you're fighting oh yeah, fucking writers and. All that. And the, but then you know, did you get the weird did, thing is like most of my friends that were doing that up there, and the kind of their contacts and stuff, they weren't, 
they were like theater people. Oh yeah, you know, more on they the wanted to do side? Like, Yeah, I I remember I was working with this company that commissioned me to to workshop a piece uh-huh. uh, with 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 their company. I, I had like a friend that was involved with them, and I pitched right, it and right. whatever, and they sponsored uh, this workshop and. Yeah, really just like went hard on developing this really like far out, like really like intense, heady, you know, gritty, you know, four hour long, like wow. epic, yeah. multi-generation. All, Kubrick S. Super, super cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably, you know, I probably read like a play that was written by a, you know, slightly too ambitious 24 year old. <laughs> that would have been accurate, you know, mm-hmm. but uh and it came down to they were either going to the company was like a uh, all the members of the company voted on what they were going to do for the next season. Okay, it was going to okay. be either that either or, your play or, or else. a revival of Neil Simon's Biloxi Blues. Oh, my God. Which and, is, they, and they went with I was like, uh, you know, what? Really? I don't think I want to do the theater anymore. Yeah, that's horrible. I did like one more. I did. I put up like one more uh, evening of uh, a couple of different um, one act plays. Yeah. And then. Were you I realized like every just... we sold them all the shows out. Yeah, but we sold them out to just like a bunch of our other actor friends who all just all came industry. to it just so they could all hand out flyers for their next show. Oh, and I was like, oh my god, we're only talking to each ourselves. Yeah, that's it. which. How, I was like, how do you I don't want to do that? theater for a bunch of other actors. Yeah, you want to go to the public. Yeah, you want it to spread, that's right? Like, yeah, that's, that's the like whole reason the... you moved out there. Yeah, so, so, so I realized that we were talking to ourselves and. That bummed me out. It's like that, liter- It's almost literally a circle jerk. Almost literally. Right. I'm not even fucking kidding you. It, it yeah. is because you're just you're playing to yourself. You're playing to each other's egos. Mm-hmm. But like you really want to resonate with the public because that's the way that you can write a bigger act, right? A bigger production. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that's the. I mean, and that's you know, that's the nourishing feeling. That kind of two way street. Yeah. You know, like you feel good having, you know, shown it to somebody who genuinely it genuinely resonated with and right. made them feel something and then you feel good having made yeah. someone feel as you something. said symbiotic yeah absolutely so is that a heartbreaking thing to kind of walk away from this this trade in a sense that you'd yeah, been training absolutely for? it wasn't as hard as walking away from music though yeah what was so when did you i imagine it's a little bit later but you're still playing when do you walk I away from music? play guitar at my house some but it still counts it's a cruel mystic music man yeah very cool well all right so we'll, we'll one thing at a time then so that is that the shift then that kind of tosses you into the service industry that you you're well, you I don't put, get I, like i put myself through my last year of college um attending bar here yeah. in austin at uh the tavern oh no shit yeah. right up the well where 12 from lamar yeah. yeah man it's a good spot big very big smelly uh, ooh, you, it was much smellier back then. Oh, was it really? Oh, Good, sure. So I'm glad to hear they've cleaned here in the past couple <laughs> of decades. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but you, so you're getting, you're getting your palate kind of wet for it, right? Like you kind of understand. It. Yeah, I, I, I love bars. Yeah. I love how they function. You know, as a, and the tavern was probably super informative and really influenced a lot of decision making mm-hmm. throughout my career. Seeing just how wild these wildly different um you know types of people all gathered around these couple of tables where all the regulars sat yeah. you know it was really fun and all the people coming on their day off and hanging out it was it was a pretty old austin kind of vibe in yeah, there and it was sure. 
you know, it was a neighborhood hub and yeah. that resonated with me. And that's. And as, as a, as a writer too, it's bound to be like great fodder for your creative mind. Oh, sure. You know, did you, did you do a lot of writing when you were working there? I mean, using yeah. that as inspiration to write. Mm, yeah, I think yes. Yeah. Some, some of those characters still rattle around in my head. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's kind of, it's almost, well, it's not a caricature, but it's this kind of, you go to a, a busy bar on any particular night and it, in a sense you get like, well, that's the Joey guy and that's the yeah. Chandler guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody yeah. kind of fits into this. Yeah, that was more like, uh, that's the guy from that Tom Waits song. And <laughs> that's the guy from that other Tom Waits song. And know. that's actually Norm from Cheers. Yeah. He's like actually there. <laughs> so how long were you at the tavern then? Uh, about a year. Oh yeah. About a year, yeah. You finished it. Obviously the, lot, the kind of last couple years of at UT. This was yeah my senior year I worked there and then, um, right before like I said right before I graduated yeah. I moved to New York. And... Mm-hmm. Man, so it's, going back to this this heartbreak bit because I can almost like feel it, man. That's like everybody disappointed you in a sense, right? I mean, yeah, the whole thing. I probably disappointed them. Well, you know, no, sure, but I'll give you the benefit my high-minded of the doubt, right? bullshit, right? No. You know what I mean. No, but it, it, it feels like L.A. is that way. Everybody's just looking to get ahead. Mm-hmm. And no one is really trying to be there for the art and try to understand it for what it is and appreciate it for what it is. So did that kind of immerse you in the service industry full time then at that point? Or did you do some other stuff? Uh, I. Yeah, I guess I. I think I. Lost my job for a little while. Oh, man. And. Then I started a band with a buddy who lost his job right around the same time. We both were on like New York State unemployment. No kidding. For six months. And, is it good? Is that a good? And letter? we were just like, let's just start a band. <laughs> we played together in Austin. And he was up there. We, no kidding. We played in a couple of shows yeah, together yeah. here, and they were like, no, let's like start like a fucking let's cool like band. Do this. I'm d- and I'm we down. Did. It was awesome. I've got like, great inspiration going right now. Yeah. Lots of things to write about. Yeah. How, and you said and it was had, great. And we had, and all we had was time. That's amazing. You know, did you end up putting stuff to to record at that point? Yeah, we we did re- record a couple of records, uh, EP, a couple of EPs. Yeah, yeah. Did you end up tr- uh, touring it at all, or just kind of staying? Uh, we played a couple of shows as far away as the Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, ooh, that's yes. a, <laughs> good accommodations there. I uh, hear. Yeah, they were real swanky. Was it the same kind of thing where you're kind of influenced by folk and country and maybe some? Metal? Uh, no, that was actually kind of. That was a, a full, fully immersive New York City kind of Interpol-y? space punk sort of. Oh, space punk. Space yeah. punk's different. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. A lot I, of delays. Oh, so, I, so many like, delays. I was playing bass in that band. And I had like nine pedals. Like the <laughs> for bass, a bass player, player had nine pedals. <laughs> you had an analog delay for the bass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, money, yeah. and that muddles up. I regret stuff, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we put it. We, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it, it sounds like what it is. Right. A but, deluge of noise. Yeah, but it was fun, man. It's good. That band, that band, honestly, not for nothing, that band probably should have hit. Been bigger? But we had, you know. Was it you or was it the industry that didn't make that happen? Uh, It was definitely us. Yeah. It was uh, a combination of... We were all super close friends, right? And like, we couldn't. People were like, just would get distracted by different things, yeah. or girls would be involved. Always, yeah. Or you know, trying to like 
not be broke, so we have to like take our careers kind of a little bit serious what because was your otherwise we'll be like at that this. point. Well, you know, my drummer at the time, who now is the general manager of La Condesa here in Austin. No shit. He uh uh he was he got a gig in like working like reception or something like mm-hmm. that for uh um one of Tom Calicchio's restaurants oh, and no like kidding. worked his way up. And like I mean, when he left New York, he was like the like service director for like Craft Steak. No, you know kidding. what I mean. They made him an offer to be GM of Craft Steak That's as insane. Craft Steak rebranded it to Caligio and Sons, and he right. turned it down. But so yeah, but he was like concentrating on that, and you know. But he was, was in, he was in that food part of it. Yeah, industry. you know, we we all had different stuff going on. What were you What were you up to at that point? Oh, I was just getting fucked up still chasing <laughs> girls, but chasing girls, you know, drinking. What 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 is one drink as a ex-UT grad in New York and a failed playwright. And I, I don't want, I use the word failed lightly, but right. what, is, what were you drinking at that point? Oh, uh, a lot of uh, mid-priced whiskey yeah. and old crow. mediocre beer. Uh, old we moved into Old Crow mid-priced. eventually. Yeah. Um, we were, there was a lot of like Jack Daniels, yeah. you know, in those, early, in those early days. <laughs> True, truly a rock and roll lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Long, so what, so a long a neck point? of Budweiser and a Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. Yeah, you're not supposed to hanging out, hanging out on 10th Avenue and <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. It wasn't so bad. That's not so bad. I still go to some of those Window. terrible bars over there behind the Port Authority. Oh, Jesus Christ. Does the smell waft over from the Port Authority? I think the smell of the Port Authority actually comes from these bars. Oh, fair enough. I never figured it was the opposite relationship with them. You know? <laughs> so I was like, Port Authority, hell on earth. You know, yeah, Just because yeah, Sanders well. was talking about it a little bit, it's like, I'm still afraid of that place. Like we're, lo- we're rats are bigger than the kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I definitely like to go relive my days as an extra in a Tom Waits song. Did you? Re- on occasion. Is, oh. Over at the Holland Bar. Amazing. So was craft stuff like a thing yet? Was Man, I had a passing. Yet? I had a, yeah. But yeah. I had a, pa- only had a passing awareness of it, you know, at that point. That, we're talking like 2004, 2005 right, right. at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like what was it that? was there somewhere. Yeah. It, it was it really wasn't on my it wasn't radar. On your radar no. Were it, were you still because you mentioned kind of like an affinity towards food and stuff? Were you interested in pursuing that part of it too, being a chef and all that? No, I never thought about cooking for a living. No, but you understood it. It was something that kind of made sense. Yeah, uh, I I mean, it was something that I thought was super cool. Yeah. Um, and on those rare occasions when I had any money at all to spend on food uh it was always a nice treat to go somewhere that yeah uh justin spencer was knew about because he was like kind of in that world my drummer it. he was kind of yeah. in that world a little bit and so he's in austin now it's crazy yeah did well, you invite him back or no he like, actually invited me back he, no he, he he went to he's he went to college with mm. me as well we played oh, okay in so austin guy yeah no kidding so so it seems like Florian is somehow this this wonderful anchor in the story. When did you meet Florian? Uh, 2006, probably. I don't think he was even 21 years old yet. No kidding. We were hanging out at a bar or whatever, yeah. but that's right, not right. here nor there. And you knew that he was kind of like, because it, it was he a musical yeah, partner? Yeah, he, he at had first, played. Or? He had played bass and with some a band that uh, my, my my old band that I played in. Uh, for the space punk band it was a band called Ghost Runner uh-huh. and we played uh, a bunch of shows with this band called The Strange Attractors um, 
and Florian had hung out with those guys. Uh, start tried to start a band with one of those dudes when their band broke up, but right. then Ghost Runner kind of went on indefinite uh, hiatus. And he was like, "Dude, we should start a band." And I was like, "Are we both gonna play bass?" Oh, that was like, would be I, amazing. I was like, "I guess Some I'll get a guitar." Shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, we should start." And I was, I don't know. I guess I've been listening to like a lot of country. I and started kind of like a kind of country fried. You know, sad bastard kind of electric, right? Like electronic country sort of electronic country. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. Yeah. Well, it's just like sad bastard kind of country folk stuff with an like guitars and banjos, and then just like like synthy drums yeah. and weird oh, synth, gotcha, like gotcha. synth like synth organs and stuff. Like it was kind of like it was like a kind of country granddaddy sort of. Oh, thing. there you go. Okay, you that know? makes sense. That yeah. totally makes sense. So you guys obviously hit it off. Was he? He wasn't even old enough to be working at a bar yet. Yeah. No. Yeah. He. Uh, he was old enough to be working at a bar. He just wasn't old enough to be to drinking drink at one at with bar. me. That's fine. <laughs> uh. Yeah. He. Yeah. He's. He's about the sweetest kid in the whole world. I hear good things about him. I also hear he. You know, if you if you get enough booze in him, you get Florian two point oh. Yeah, it gets it, it can get intense. It gets gets strange. Yeah, it can get intense. Do you guys work together in New York too? Outside uh, of the band? intermittently, we did. Uh, he would help me out at my bar. Where were you working at that? I point? was working in a little neighborhood place called Dominie's Hook in Long Island City. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was working. I can't remember where he was at when we first met him, but he eventually wound up working for the uh, employees only guys yeah, at I heard about uh, Macau that. Trading I, Company. I no yeah, um, and that was part of my introduction into that world of were you interested in taking it to that kind of like apprenticeship and having to go through this kind of rigorous training and stuff was that something that ever no i didn't i really didn't care no just wasn't i I thought it was kind of neat but i just wanted to get fucked up at like the dive bars in brooklyn that i was hanging out at something simple right why yeah well i like the the camaraderie it was definitely like the height of you know um kind of self-involved uh just you know, pretentious time. like new york yeah like it, it was like it wasn't fun those bars weren't fun right they're still really not that fun like you know but there's something about it again like going back to like that self-deprecating artist there's something that's essential about those places oh i love the dives i love i'm talking about like the oh the the, 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 the the milk and honeys of oh, the world gotcha, and all gotcha. that you know they they uh was it a little bit like kind of snooty to you? Yeah, and I think so. It was because I, you know, was insecure myself. I didn't know right. what the fuck was going on. You yeah. know? and I had and I kind of knew what was going on, and I didn't know what the fuck was going on. <laughs> so you you can see it, but you just like nah, I, st- I don't get I it. I still just really didn't register. I really just wanted to get back to get back to my neighborhood. And yeah, like crush really? paps and old granddad. You know what I mean? Man, I yeah no i definitely i totally understand what you mean so there's got to be some point though where you take it to another level because you're even if at your core you're an old old granddad dude that you've got more nuance now like how does that develop you seem like you're you know oh, but i turned 30 right when you tried right. that was it was the th- you heard the a clock lot of ticking? It, a lot of it's crap yeah a lot of it's like these people say craft and it means like not shitty. Right. But like I actually really looked at it like a craft that like it was time to take serious. When I moved back oh. to Austin. When was that? When did you move back? Uh, we moved back 2000. 
11. Okay. That's pretty recent, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. Ja- January of 2011, I guess we got into town. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Florian had some, you know, had some pedigree at that point. Right. And I had some passing familiarity with some of these things. I knew, yeah, how, to make, right. I knew how to make a Sazerac. Point. I knew how to, right, make, right. So you like, know, I mean, I, I knew a couple of things. Like, you know, I'm not like just fell off the turnip weird, truck or anything. So I'm like having this cognitive cognitive dissonance in a sense because I I look at you as a guy that is incredibly skillful but yet very thoughtful, and it it almost is like alarming to me that as as early as 2011 or as late as 2011, like it still didn't really kick in. The, the amount of potential that you had as an artist with this stuff. Well, I was just focused on other things. Music still? Yeah. yeah. I mean, up until that point, like, that was everything. It was just, you know, all I did was, you know, practice or, um, you know, read about stuff, try to figure stuff right, out, right. Like, try to teach myself that. And then when it was time to, to get a bartending job in Austin, uh, you know, I went on a bunch of interviews at a bunch of shitty places and yeah, no, one, you... no one was interested no. And then, uh, and then Florian had been working at Haddington's where, oh, right. right. The duck fat side. And, right. uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and he heard that there was an opening right after South, South by some people had left Peche and he's mm-hmm. like, you should go over there, talk to those guys. No kidding. And I was, I went over there and I guess kind of like bluffed a little bit. Did and I was you? like, all right, well, these guys do some <laughs> weird shit with some weird stuff. Like. I guess I'll just, I, I got to learn it. I got to, yeah. and I just treated it like, as a, you know, I was going to, I'm going to go learn what this is. And I was, right, like, right. I was just like, this is my focus. This is what I do now. And we played some music still a little bit, but it really pretty quickly dropped off. And I, I just got was obsessed it with trying to be the good, best at this. Bartending? It would like, it actually really piqued your interest. Like you started saying, I actually really want to learn more about. I always kind of figure that we would have a bar. Or a restaurant or something. Yeah. I always figured that I would that would be a Where part of, a part of my life. Like, you know, I was I I knew that even when I was trying to pursue music full time, that I was never going to make a real living at right. it. I might get lucky. Sure. I might get eighteen months to three years worth of but, right, like, like, actually getting paid anything at yeah. all. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I well, kind of so always figured I'd wind up in, you know, a life or in the service industry. And I was like, okay, I got a shot to, to hone it. And so, yeah. so you took that as like, well, this is the, in a sense, like this is my promotion, right? Cause yeah. it's like a totally different level of game at Pesha, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, from what I've been doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it, just in general. And in like, Austin at the time, I mean, Pesha yeah, was really very pioneering. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, there's has- obviously like the, the universe of cocktail bars in Austin has expanded, you know, oh, profoundly. Yeah, profoundly, profoundly since then. Yeah, but I mean, at the time, like that was One you were on a, you were on an absolute spotlight when you worked at that place. I That's can't believe they gave me that job. <laughs> Do you think it was your charming personality? Oh, yeah, it had to be. <laughs> I think it's because I showed up wearing a vest and I had like a mustache. They were like, that was hey, it looks works. right. <laughs> it looks Tight-casted. like a guy. You still got the mustache. You still have I the still vest. still got the mustache. I, still, I don't wear the vest so much anymore. It's probably a good transition yeah. away from the vest. Yeah. How long were you at it took It took all the fun out of wearing vests. Oh, did, right. Yeah. Because that's become <laughs> now like. Now where I wear my uniform around? Dude, it is. It's like the mustache and the vest and suspenders for some yeah. you know, even though you don't of course you don't wear a suspender with a with a vest although i think although maybe you could, that's that's the who next would know step. <laughs> who would know <laughs> you should see my suspenders under this vest 
<laughs> if you get if you're nice, maybe later on. Maybe later I'll flash a little bit. <laughs> How long were you at Peche? Uh, six months. Six months. Yeah. Uh, would it was it just? Did you learn what you needed to learn? Was it just kind of like a shitty environment? Why'd you get out of there? Um. Yeah, I learned. I mean, I learned. I mean, I didn't learn everything I needed to learn, but right. I think I we never do. learned I mean, about like, as much as I thought that I was gonna over there. Yeah, and it was time, and I had an opportunity, and I kind of had this idea for, you know, a cool kind of divey cocktail bar, mm. and the guys at the Volstead kind of had a similar idea that you know kind of took a chance on me going over to this like divey East Side bar and right, trying to right. do some cool cocktails. Yeah, it's, it's very hole. disparate there. Like, cause you you look at it, it's like, oh, this place is just like another dive east east place. But then you get a drink, it's like, oh shit, this is yeah. a great drink. Like, yeah, it, and that was intentionally think by design to do that. Uh, well, they started off and they weren't doing it quite at that level. Right. They, they, I, I threw out a bunch of fucked up infusions when I Did you? they'd been open about six months when I went over there, and, mm-hmm. um, and I I feel like we never quite got it right over there yeah um i think they're definitely more comfortable in their skin over there now it's been a while i mean a long time since yeah. you left anyhow yeah you know there was always kind of a battle for the soul of that place yeah it's been uh, this... the, whether it's like you know or like a raging like dj party right or if we want like fi- like fancy cocktails or like how do we do both and can uh, you do it, both is a better question right Cause like, do yeah, people care? You, do you, you think ca- that you people can, care? You can, but I wasn't good enough at the time to crack ah, the code on it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that they've gotten pretty close to doing it pretty right over there since, you know. So when did you end up at Cowboy then? Um, immediately after that, oh, okay. I, I was over there for about 14, 15 months, um, and then the key gig was coming down the pipe. Yeah, and because that's why you left Midnight Cowboy, right? Yeah, I left when I would go to Key, but I basically was already going to be going to Key uh, when I left. They hadn't made me a formal offer, right, but right. it was pretty well understood and uh, that I'd be going over there in some capacity or another. Was it a different... So, you know, I, I keep thinking about Midnight Cowboy like as what it represents in this whole thing. Yeah. And in a sense, it's like... It's a home for wayward bartenders. Do, <laughs> home for wayward bartenders. It's, a, it's, a, it's the bullpen man you know it's where the ideas get flowing it's where people learn to be better and i felt that way about everybody that i've seen work there and every time i had been there was it a good experience for you like it was it was great to be around the guys i i I was there not to take anything away from the dudes who are there right right now because i'm sure they're all tremendous i just don't know them as well yeah yeah but i mean i'll always kind of have a really place in your heart nostalgic warm fuzzy feeling yeah. thinking about working alongside you know adam brian right. brian dressel right. josh loving like Dude. it like you know these guys that like i thought were you know like absolute titans yeah over absolutely there, you know, and titans, i still yeah. do you know but like i mean getting, getting to just hang out with those guys and just so kind of Jay, absorb so some of that. Here's here's the thing that the and I hopefully Brian will come into town or I can head out there to Georgia and at some point and kind of interview him. But I remember he, he this was when he was at Eastside Showroom. He actually took some time out to taste me on like ten gins. Like he actually took the time mm-hmm. out to do that, and he he actually cared about each of those, and like he was really really informative, educational, but approachable and an otherwise kind of very very stuffy category, you know. So it's like he socially 
brought me into the game. And so I thank him so much for that. And so like him at the helm, imagine what you guys were able to achieve. Yeah, it was fun. It was a it was a fun time. And it was hard. It's a dungeon in there. Yeah, man. It's tough. Um I don't know it how it just encourages you to drink in there, I think. Oh yeah, a little bit. Like I'm not gonna lie. It's dark and it's dank and but it's it looks good, smells good. Mm-hmm. It's like fuck, what else would I I wanna write the great American novel in here. Yeah. Right? It's that kind of environment yeah. in there. So the key thing, obviously Paul Key kinda came off when he was when he opened up the restaurant, just a massive success with Top Chef and all of that. How did it feel to to like really up the game at that point? I mean, there's a lot of anticipation for Key when it opened oh, up. Oh yeah. And I was so lucky that it wasn't on my shoulders. I was working it was on for, Michael's shoulders, right? I was working for my friend uh uh, our friend Michael Simon, yeah, yeah. Uh, is back in Chicago now. Uh, who's just a goddamn maniac, and <laughs> I love him. And He's got to come back down here for something. Yeah. I keep trying to get him to come do this, but just the fit and the pressure and the place, it was just. It's too. Much. I mean, there was never, there was never, there, there never had been, and there's not going to be another in all of the history of this city more uh-huh. anticipated. More like high pressure restaurant opening. You're absolutely right in Austin, Texas. And did you uh, did you feel you guys delivered? I do. I, I personally, feel yeah, like you I did. do. I mean, I think that it wasn't always pretty. I'm sure. You know, no, but I think that about it, but. I think that that place has fulfilled its initial promise. Yeah, absolutely. Still recognized nationally. Yeah. The food is always impeccable. Yeah. Drinks are great. But you transitioned out because I think finally you wanted a piece of the pie. Yeah, is that a fair way to, to describe it? I'd say that's fair. Yeah, and so you end up at the Towson here just pretty recently. Yeah, we opened in uh, early July, July second. Yeah, so we're still, it's, we're still babies. It's totally babies. And I did, and, I did a key. I did exactly two years of ser- of uh, service. Oh no, kidding! The our, the grand opening at Key was like June twentieth, and my last day was like June nineteenth. Two years later. That's a, honestly, man, if you look at like six months at Pache, you said 13 to 15 months at Volstead, two years, that's, you keep upgrading, you keep like getting, putting your head down and working hard like yeah. more and more. And so you, you felt like you were finally ready to run a place? Uh, Yeah, it, it was definitely one of those things that it was a shot that I felt like I needed to take. Yeah. I felt like even if I wasn't ready, I was readier than I if not now, when, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I had to at least go. I have. It was the point where I, have, if nothing else, I have to at least go out and fall on my face. Right, yeah. You, you know what to. I mean? Because I like, if I'm not ready, I need to learn what I need to learn. Yeah, no better time than the president yeah. to do that. Shit. And my partner is amazing. He's a super cool dude that really like believed in me yeah. and you know kind of brought me into did this project. You? I mean, there's a negative connotation no. to that, but did he seek you out? Or did uh, the opportunity sort kind of... of the, we had met... We were discussing a tech project that I was working on. Yeah, POS stuff. Yeah, there's some POS right. stuff, yeah. and uh, which hasn't come to fruition. Although we have an inventory app that's about to hit market oh, really, really cool. soon. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it was, so which which M- OS M I S E? Uh, the the app is called Stockboy, uh-huh. and it's it's just a really basic, you know, uh, really really super reasonably priced. Uh, subscription uh, based inventory app for oh, cool. for counting for counting bottles monthly or annual monthly monthly that's oh great. you can buy it annually for a discount sure um just really ba- it's just like such a simple tool and but essential yeah everybody yeah. hates doing inventory but 
as an operator, I appreciate the absolute necessity of it. Yeah. And I just wanted to make it easier. Let's well, kill her. So when yeah. is it when to go live then you said? Uh we're in uh closed beta right now. Oh, cool. So okay. I think in another so you got couple... some people working with it, but just very closed. Yeah, exactly. So we we use it at the Townsend. Oh cool. uh, they're using it uh at a couple bars up in New York. Yeah. Couple bars out in New Orleans. That's pretty killer. So it's coming to fruition, it's gonna be out pretty soon, and then you have this nice handheld tool for inventory. Yeah. Ultimately, right? Yep. So it's, it's like one of those dirty tools people don't really know they need, but they everybody needs it. Yeah. The moment you the moment you have it, I mean I cut the time that it takes to do inventory from, you know, two hours to 18 minutes or oh, something Jesus. like that okay. at the bar. So it's very incredible. Yeah, it takes, it takes a second to get set up because you kind of got to put everything on your back bar into sequence. Into, yeah, but once yeah, you yeah. get it in that sequence and it saves it, yeah. and you just like rip just through that thing it. every oh, week. Yeah. So we, so going back to the, the Townsend bit then, like when you met, what's the, the, the co-owner's name? Steven, Steven Ste- Weisberg. Steven, okay. So you guys had obviously some chemistry right off. Yeah, yeah, and I had been working on another. Too, right? I had actually been working on another project, mm. and if he if he poached me at all, he poached me from this other project gotcha. that I was uh, working on, having uh, an interest in, and uh, uh, I don't know. He he really kind of valued what I had to say, yeah, and he just you know fought to to <laughs> right. give me some stuff, yeah, yeah, and it's awesome. I, I I bit, you know, I felt like it was going to culturally, it was going to be a good fit, good fit for a a long period of time. Yeah, you know, I, it was something I was like, I I can see this feeling good and going somewhere, right? Not like in a year or two years, but yeah, you know, yeah. for the long haul, like having That's equity. In, yeah, Do, how does it feel being? I mean, I know there are some bar, bars on Congress. I, I totally understand, it. but you guys have a concept that is kind of pioneering in the sense that right there, no one's been able to change the, the, the dynamic of people going down Congress, that Paramount theater crowd, if you will. And mm-hmm. it's like kind of on you. How do you feel about that pressure there? Um, daily, I feel the pressure Yeah, and I don't particularly enjoy it. Um, but in a broader perspective, you know, looking, looking at it, you know, with some some perspective i know that it's a great place to be i know that's yeah. gonna be it's beautiful. a really cool neighborhood right and a couple small years victory, right and yeah we got scranton's new place gonna be opening door next door to guy. us as well. well yeah so i mean it is essentially so rainy was transformed mm-hmm. at some point and it took someone to be in there to be the first to kind of do it and then tough it out and mm-hmm. i kind of feel like you guys are the the first ones that have to be in there and tough that out you know yeah it's it's uh is it a t- do you how often does it wear you out every day? Yeah, I think I mean it bums me out every day knowing yeah. that it's going to take time, but it's also something that we knew was going to take time. Right. You know, it's you want instant gratification. You want to like get on the app and check the sales, you know, <laughs> but like don't. Yeah. Maybe just don't. Just like step away from it. Maybe it's like weighing know yourself that you've done, every day. Every day I wake up and I question like what can I do better? Right. What conventional wisdom can I dash? Yeah, yeah. Um, I try to be, you know, vigilant about being analytical about all my decision making. I don't right. want, I like, I I'm really hesitant to get too deeply involved in any sacred cows, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so every day I wake up and we look at what we're doing, 
Is this the right way to do it? How can we suck less today? Suck less, And just yeah. know that, you know, every day it feels a little bit better. Mm-hmm. The members of the team got that, a great that team buy, there, that buy in yeah. buy in a little bit more every day right. you know because you can't if your team's great mm-hmm. and you guys are all rallied and aligned and allied like there's no way you guys can fail in that yeah spot. and once the team once you get that it's kind of that inertia of team right yeah. where uh eventually it's like the whole team is nurturing new people right the team. right, not, right it's not just it's a culture down. Yeah. yeah it's a culture exactly. at that point yeah for sure well so let's take a moment to talk about the the bottle that you picked which yeah. is an armagnac from 1973, Marie Defoe. I'm actually not sure the proof on this. I imagine it's like mid 40s. What do you got? Uh, had it look at a 40, 43% by 43. volume. How damn rich and delicious and easy to drink is that? Oh, it's delightful. Come on. What's your deal with brandy? What's the deal with brandy? What's the deal with brandy? Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I'm, I'm not sick of it. Yeah. You no, know, me I'm either. Only, I'm only just kind of starting to get my toes in the water with it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I work doing some consulting stuff and some educational stuff for mm-hmm. Remy Quantro, uh, with a focus on trying to crack the code on, uh, how to explain, uh, Metaxa right. to the American public, which I'm only just now kind of wrapping what my you, own head how, around. How does one do that with Metaxa? Cause it's a, a specific just, Greek li- mm-hmm. liquor, right? That's brandy based. Yeah. It's, and it's really is a brandy. Yeah. It's really is just a declassified cognac. Right. The, but instead of, uh, Instead of like the bois, you know, with being composed of, you know, wood oil and uh-huh. caramel color, right? It's uh, it's finished with a small amount of super aromatic muscat wine. Oh, I didn't know. Okay. Yeah. So slight, slight bit of sweetness and freshness, crispness yeah. from from the muscat. Yeah, wine. yeah. So it's uh, there's no sugar added to it other than the sugar that's in, it's in the, the wine that's in that uh, yeah. aged muscat wine. Um, do you hmm. feel, do you feel like it's not coincidental, but that is a wonderful homecoming to trace it back. Because you're Greek, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. My mother's side is all Greek. Yeah. Which is interesting because Elliot is not a Greek name, right? No. Yeah. No, and I and I tower over most of that side of the family as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nice to know that like from within. Yeah. I'm the... sure somewhere deep down my papu is very proud. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. It's like, really? <laughs> and then you guys would... Do you... Oh, is... we only drink that at funerals. Yeah. <laughs> A, that's a thing actually is, i is hear really? that a lot yeah is it the oh funeral celebratory, funeral brandy. celebratory liquor is that what people yeah, drink whatever or? the opposite of celebration is right oh yeah. oh, uh, oh con- not condemnation <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't even know but, I mean, yeah, there's a word I, for it. I think um a lot of brandies at least to me these days the really good ones i feel like have some of that kind of transportative magic that you know yeah. you talk about in like uh especially a lot of like mexican spirits yeah oh yeah there's something that like oh you i feel like i'm somewhere else right i think uh maybe less so than than you know really good um mezcales and less so than you know some of the really magnificent you know rums of the world but yeah well that's definitely, i think definitely the- brandies will take you somewhere a little further i feel like than than a lot of scotch or oh, rye. Oh yeah, scotch doesn't do it, man. I, don't I know love why. scotch, I do but too, it's but it not transportative. Take me anywhere. Yeah. Mescal does mm-hmm. because I, I'm tasting things and I'm sensing things and I'm seeing things as I sip it that I've never experienced before. And it's the same thing with this guy. Like this is 73 or it's distilled in 73, and I 
I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling bell bottoms. Maybe I'm feeling funkadelic. I don't know exactly, <laughs> but but it's something like like you said, really transportative. Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing thing, and the most excellent of spirits do that. You know? Yeah. So let's talk about something kind of wrap up that I find particularly interesting and, and humorous. Uh, polls and awards. Oh boy! I know you're real stoked about the Eater Bartender of the Year. Yeah, I am. I am. I'm. It is an absolute honor to be nominated an two honor. years in a row. Yeah. 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 It's it's incredible. Come on. So do you think? Are you one of the? Oh, oh man, I'm just. This here's an analogy for it. Do you feel like Marissa Tomei winning for My Cousin Vinny? She won an Academy <laughs> Award as like a Best Supporting Actress, yeah. and everybody's like, "What the fuck? She was nominated." Yeah. Do you feel like you can live up to being one of the best? Well, I think yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay. I absolutely do. Um, not because I think that I'm better than most of my contemporaries because right. it's quite the opposite every day i kind of wake up with a chip on my shoulder and try to figure out how to like to suck like, less how to suck less yeah like, <laughs> there's a theme of this whole conversation <laughs> i think it keeps coming back to that um every year on these things you know like this thrillist thing that right they, they, they named me one of the 21 most important bartenders in america and do it's you a feel important joke <laughs> like are you like alba is on this list like right. morgenthaler's on this. like right. stop it <laughs> I have zero business being on this list, but you might be as tall as Alba, but yeah. that's like about right. But as a uh, businessman, like sure. obviously, like this is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. You know, as a guy that's trying to, well, you're being recognized for both. Really, your your the way that you affect the local industry, yeah. the way you affect the national dialogue, and to some degree, obviously, your skills are on the line here. Yeah, right. People are saying, well, he's not he's not a chump. Yeah, I'm not a chump. Good. I think that the. I feel like I if people want to tell me that I do, that I'm great, mm-hmm. I'm happy to hear that. It's uh, but you don't do you agree with them, or can you agree with them? I I think that I have a lot to give this community. Yeah. Um, I feel that way because that's what I try to do every single day. Right. Like I try to, uh, you know, impact my community. Um, both of guests and of uh, contemporaries in this business in, right. a, in a positive way. I try to suck less and hope that the people around me will want to ride that same wave of, you know, putting positivity oh, into the yeah, world. Yeah, positivity, quality, like you respect, know, all and, that. And, stuff. and, and if, I'm being, if, if I'm being honored for that, then, then, then great. Awesome, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think that... I don't know. It, it it all feels weird because these guys can bartend fucking circles around right. me. Well, They're, I don't know about know, that, like, man. I mean, you're good at being humble. I'm sitting here right here. I'm like, yeah, but you're pretty good, Justin. Like, you gotta give yourself some credit. I, yeah, I'm, pr- I'm pretty good. Yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I'm pretty good. good. All right, Wait, like a, a nice C plus? Are you talking like B minus? How, how would you grade yourself? I, I, th- I think I'm. I think I'm a. I'm a solid A minus. Yeah, that's good. I was gonna go B plus, but let's go higher. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that you are. I mean, you're doing a good job. And who, so we got Tober, which which the joke is warm gin's not bartending, but <laughs> <laughs> but so Tober, Jen, Kaiser, mm-hmm. uh, who? Oh, Justin Lavenue. Just it's just Lavenue the five and, of you and, and, Trey, and Trey Jenkins. And Trey, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, Trey, if you think about having to memorize recipes that have a shit ton of recipes. Oh, he's encyclopedic, and Lavenue yeah, exactly. is as well. Lavenue, Dude, and, you know, Lavenue, yeah. Lavenue's he's an amazing. He's like, 
he's a rain, he's like guy. Rain Man that gets laid. Right. Right. Yes. Like he, I'm, I'm absolutely serious. A suave yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Mm-hmm. Seriously, because yeah. he remembers everything. The yeah. dude's like, he's he's, he's incredible. He's yeah. incredible. He's like an absolute like saint behind. Yeah. It. He's so Polite. pleasant. Yes. And so like hospitality driven. Like he's just. I mean, he's amazing. He's, yeah. Um. You know, so but that, I, th- I think I, I think I, I think you know I give no, funnier quotes to Thrillist though. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you rather eat a burger with, Justin Elliott or Justin Lavenue? Right. I'm the George W. Bush of <laughs> of uh, cocktail bartenders in Austin, Texas. I think. Yes, yes, you are. <laughs> What's it? that? Is a beautiful note to end on, Justin? Thank you, man. I I got to tell you. It's been a, really a, a pleasure getting to know you. And I know, you know, we worked on some of this Sotol stuff. You've been back and forth with me about all these trials and tribulations of being a fucking distiller and being someone that's trying to make a difference and trying to do cool new things. And that has not been an easy process. So thank you so much for being oh, there for man. me too. Thanks, man. For, thanks for being a, a friend. Oh, absolutely. It's been great. So thanks so much for chatting. Oh, Talk of course. Soon. Thank you. There we have it, the George W. Bush of Coctology, Mr. Justin Elliott of the Townsend. I think he's a little bit brighter than George W. Bush, but probably has equally effective jokes. If you haven't had a chance to check out the Townsend yet, obviously, I don't know what you're waiting for. I hope that maybe in the future we'll see a full stage production completely written and completely scored by Justin. But for the time being... This is Show to V with Mike G. Thank you so much for listening, and keep dancing.